Ogumbawale for the win. Hello, 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 and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball, the Wednesday edition. My name is Lindsay Gibbs. I am the author of the Power Plays newsletter about women in sports and the co-host of the feminist sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And I am so excited to be here with you all today for my second episode um, in this series where we take deep dives into teams. Today, we are going to be talking about two teams, the New York Liberty and the Indiana Fever. Joining me up first, we're going to have Jackie Powell. Jackie is the beat reporter for the New York Liberty for the next, your 24 7, 365 news home for women's basketball news. Uh, Jackie also writes about pop culture and uh, writes about mental health and podcasts about mental health for the Born This Way Foundation. Jackie, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much, Lindsay. It's an honor to be on here. (laughs) So we're going to start by talking about the Liberty's rookies. Um, And then we're going to go later, we're going to talk about um, uh, this big team meeting that they had last week that kind of changed their season around and update on how the young vets, as you like to call them on this team, are kind of holding the fort down. And then later in the show, uh, Ben Rossoff is going to join me to talk everything about the fever. He is also the beat reporter uh, for the fever for the next. So we're just a next family here on this podcast today. So Jackie, obviously coming into this season, all eyes were on Sabrina Inescu. Unfortunately, a few games into the season, she suffered an ankle injury. We're not going to see her back on the court. We don't want to dwell on that. We're all devastated. Um, that's bad news for everyone that that happened. But the Liberty do have a lot more rookies, I believe seven more, <laughs> six more, um, that have been pretty interesting. And I wanted to make sure we got to them. Uh, so I want to start out which of the rookies, if you could pick two that have impressed you the most, who has impressed you the most? Oh, that's tough because it's okay. like I have three, but I, okay, I then go think, with... give me three. Give me three. Okay. Let's talk about three. The three that I'm really liking are right now are Jasmine Jones, Jocelyn Willoughby, um, and Kylie Shook. Um, or you could even throw in Naotum in there, but I guess I have those three in my head just because of the game last night where, or Liana, but she likes to be called Nay. Um, Nay looked a little out of sorts, but what you're going to love about her is just how athletic she is. Yeah. So let's, let's get to Naotum in a minute. Actually, let's start with Jasmine Jones, who has, is averaging 9.1 points, which is the most out of the rookies, a guard out of Louisville, who has actually been put more in a ball handling position than I think she ever has in her career, because there's no other backup point guard. Uh, The Liberty have just signed Paris Key, um, who is coming into the wobble. We don't know anything about what she's going to bring to the team because we haven't seen her out there, but that addition is coming. That backup will be coming. Um, but Jasmine Jones seems to have been the leader, fearlessly stepping up after Sabrina went down and even before. Uh, what is the ceiling for Jasmine? So Jazz, going into that very long post-draft preseason period, 
or we didn't know what was going on. What I kept hearing from general manager Jonathan Kolb and head coach Walt Hopkins was that jazz just has an unlimited amount of energy. And you see that when you watch her on the court. She does not give up. She's really, she's really feisty on both ends of the floor. And although she scored 24 points last night, she, she didn't care about that. She didn't care. She's the type of player who, if she turns it over on one side of the ball, she's going to hustle all the way to the end to try to create a steal on the other side of the floor. And you saw her do that last night against the Sparks. She's young and, you know, this is the first time since high school where she's playing the point guard position. So when it comes to getting people involved, she can look a little out of sorts, but it's because she hasn't played at the point since she was an adolescent. Right. (laughs) We would all look a little out of sorts in that scenario, I think. Um, Yeah, I do love her energy and her grit. In the game against the Mystics, which is the first game, they got their big first win. And it was an ugly game on both counts, no matter what Walt Hopkins said after the game. Um, It was an ugly game, but that's because the Liberty were just aggressive and gritty. And I think they realized at this point, they're not going to out-talent anyone, right? But they can out-hustle some teams. And that's what I saw from Jasmine Jones. Um, you mentioned also Kylie Shook. Um, what, what's the scoop on her uh, evolution? So Kylie, I think what's helping Kylie's development is actually having Jazz there on the floor. Because when you see those two play together, you can just tell how well they know each other, how they expect where each other will be. Um, and that threw some WNBA defenses a little bit because they were like, oh, you know, th- these two know where they're going to be on the floor. Because, they, because they're from the same college. We should just, yeah. in case people don't know, they, they, oh, they're from Louisville. They played together for four years. But Jazz has spoken about Kylie's confidence a lot. And so she's a little bit of, she's the shyer type. And so Jazz has sort of said to her, hey, like, this is basketball. Like, yeah, we're in the pros, but you know how to play this game. So for Kylie, it's been a lot of developing confidence. But what's wild to me is that her defensive game looks so clean for a rookie. And Walt Hopkins has said that she is the best pick and roll defender or best post pick and roll defender on that team, which is wild because she's she's a rookie yeah. on the offensive side is where she's going to need to improve but i don't know if i want to say improve i think it's just gain more confidence yeah. take more threes and, um, and i think we're going to see that um you mentioned nia odom from duke who 59.4 percent from the field 44 percent from three when she shoots so that's another one the more offensive confidence she gets the more aggressive she gets I think the better like we're I think as the season goes on we're going to start seeing her get more minutes and more minutes and more minutes a very high upside and then Jocelyn Willoughby like a wing player, I guess we should say, out of Virginia, you wrote about her to start the season saying in camp, she looked, she was the one that the, the, the coaching staff was like, yeah, everyone's talking about Sabrina, but look at her. Jocelyn, I mean, from a basketball perspective first, she has such a pro-ready body. It is, 
I mean, it blows me away. Like we talk, I, there were, there was a picture of like Myesha Hines Allen in her arms. Right. You got to look at Jocelyn Willoughby's arms. Yes. She is just so strong. And Amanda Zowie B has talked about how strong she is and how when she gets more of a handle on her body and how she moves on the court, that when, once she gets that, she'll be knocking people out because she is just so strong. And you've seen it. You look at where she's scoring most of her points. She's getting to the free throw line, which is what she did in college. That is her identity. And the Liberty want to harness that. And she can shoot from three too. I mean, yeah, I love it so much because that's what you, you don't see a lot of rookies getting the free throw line. They get scared to dive in there. And I understand why I would be too, if I was in the WNBA, um, two other rookies that I think it's safe to say, like haven't gotten quite as much, um, playing time, Megan Walker from UConn and Joyner Holmes. Um, Let's talk about them later because I want to make sure that in a minute we get to this big meeting that the Liberty had and we talk a little bit about there are some vets on this team and they've really been leading the way. And remember, I've still got Ben Rosa coming up to talk about the Indiana fever. Just want to remind you all to start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. And now, this is where I sound silly, but say it with me, everyone. Sports are back, baby. <laughs> I've been wait- We've all been waiting for this day since March, but it's here. And there's one thing to have in mind, my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, uh, a Rike Gumbawale shot, as we say here at women's basketball, all wrapped up in one. I love it and you love it, and that should be all you need in order to start betting today. My bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams, and uh, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. Join today, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%, plus, I'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. Future wager, that is hard to say. All you have to do is enter the promo code locked on NBA when signing up. Remember, the MyBookie terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. All right, Jackie. So the Liberty started off um, losing their first four games of the season. And in a couple of those, they got really blown out to the point where ESPN's changing the schedule, <laughs> getting them out. Let's get this team off national television. But then on August 6th, there was this meeting. And as you wrote about for the next, things got pretty vulnerable. What happened? So they had, after the game against Minnesota, which, I mean, there was already some tension because it was Shelly Patterson and Walt Hopkins going up against their former team. I bet you subconsciously they felt a little embarrassed, those two, for sure. Um, But I think the point of this meeting was to really put everything out on the table. Um, I've heard that this meeting went for over four hours. It was like a long sit down where people could just express what was on their mind, express what they need or what they want from each other. It was a meeting where the rookies sort of expressed how they're not always confident all the time and and they don't feel comfortable all the time with the system because that's not what they did in college. 
So it was a lot, as you said, it was a lot of being vulnerable and being honest about what they were feeling inside and what they were thinking about. Um, and it was about establishing controllables for every single player, um, for people to sort of be like, okay, I'm going to hold myself to this standard. I'm going to say that I'm responsible for X, Y, Z. If that means holding someone off the offensive glass or not turning the ball over, this team is a lot about, okay, what can we control? The veterans and I use that term loosely in the Liberties context, but the vets on this team, we've got Leja Clarendon, uh, Kia Nurse, Kia Stokes, and Amanda Zowie B or Zowie 3, whatever you want to say, however you want to refer to her. Um, I was really interested in particularly what you said about Leja and how Leja who was playing frustrated, something we don't see from them often. What happened? How did Clarendon turn that around? I mean, it's the frustration is valid, right? You lose Sabrina Unesco, who was supposed to be her partner in crime, someone who was going to take a lot of the load off of them. They were going to share it maybe more equally than people would have thought. Um, and Leja, as we know, is a very cerebral person. She comes from Cal Berkeley. I talked to Shelley Patterson on Monday about this meeting and about Leja's process. And Shelley was like, yeah. Um, and Shelley Patterson is the assistant, one of the assistant coaches on the Liberty. Um, and Shelley was like, yeah, you know, Leja's leadership is incredibly cerebral. So I'm sure it was very frustrating when you have six really young players around you who are still learning and the communication isn't all there all the time because they might not know that they need to be communicating all the time. And so Walt and Shelley sat Lasia down and said, you know, you got to remember that you love this game. When it's all said and done, you love to play basketball. Um, and it seemed to me that Leja had to radically accept the situation and sort of change their perspective and sort of see this whole situation through more of a lens of gratitude. Um, and once they were able to do that, I think you sort of saw more of that joy. I mean, Leja has been taking some three pointers and, and shooting 40% from, uh, the three point line. I mean, statistically Leja's having one of the best seasons of their career. Amanda Zowie B we're seeing from her what we kind of always see from her. I think she's taking a bigger leadership role. Um, there are games where she comes out, especially lately with so much energy hitting all the threes. Uh, the team almost goes as she goes, she's their engine. Two people I wanted to ask you about, uh, who seem to be struggling a little bit more this season than I expected are Kia Nurse and Kia Stokes. Um, we've only got a couple minutes, but can you uh, diagnose what's going on with the Kias for us? So with Nurse, it's really that her lift is not the same from this ankle injury, and mm. she's letting that get into her head. That's what mm. Shelly Patterson was explaining to me on Monday about Kia Nurse. Uh, Shelly wants Kia to understand that if the shots aren't falling, it's okay. And she wants her to know that the Liberty rely on her in so many other aspects of the game. Um, they need her to be tough defending the perimeter. They need her to drive through the lane and get to the line. So yeah, the shots aren't falling and it's ugly, but Kia Nurse needs to be active 
in other ways on the floor, which last night she wasn't. She had so much difficulty guarding Sydney Weiss. Um, and what about Stokes, who this year seemed like a great opportunity for Stokes. And, you know, she's starting, but the, you know, she's shooting 17.9% from three, 31.8% from the field. Um, you know, these 7.5 rebounds per game, which is good. That is very good. Um, but where, where do we go from here with uh, Kia Stokes? To be honest, I think if Sabrina was on the floor, Stokes's rebounds would be a lot lower um, mm -hmm. because we know that Sabrina is a rebound <laughs> machine. Um, but back to Stokes, it's been very disappointing. Um, you know, they talked about in training camp how she had this really fluid and nice looking jump shot that was really consistent. But it's like you look at the numbers and you're like, no, um, she has very, uh, she has little bits of brilliance and she's just so inconsistent. What's so frustrating is it's, she almost looks like a rookie. Um, and there are times where she's just stagnant. She's just standing under the rim. She's not trying to get involved on the pick and roll defense or I, I just, I, I don't understand it. It yeah. makes me very frustrated. Maybe she throws in a block here or there, but she is so inconsistent. And I think they, they don't play well with her on the floor. When you have Shook and Zowie B on the floor, especially last night, the Liberty played so much better. Yeah. It seems like, you know, this was a year for a player like Stokes where you're either taking step forward or the league is passing you by. And we see players a few years into their career have those seasons. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. And where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, people can follow me at Classic J Pow. So C L A S S I C J P O W. Coming up, the Liberty have the Indiana Fever on Thursday, which is perfect because coming up, we're talking about the Indiana Fever with Ben Rossup. All right, joining me now, we've got another one of our friends from the next, Ben Rosoff, who is the Fever beat reporter. Ben, thanks so much for being on Locked on Women's Basketball. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, it's been a very weird start for the season for the Fever. Uh, they got to training camp late because they had a COVID outbreak in their uh in their squad after an open scrimmage that seemed to be ill-advised. <laughs> we still don't have Erica Wheeler with the team and there's really no update on when that will be. They keep saying soon, but here we are. Lauren Cox got here late, so we're just now getting her into the rotation. We've also got, um, you know, Vivian's has had a little bit of a knee injury again, though thankfully not related to the big knee injury from last season. We've got um, Stephanie Mavunga, who is out with a facial injury right now. Natalie Chan was missed time with a hamstring injury. There's been a lot of uh, juggling for head coach, new head coach, Marianne Stanley, to deal with. Of course, Marianne Stanley is not new to coaching. She is a legend of the game. And that's where I wanted to start. What has Marianne Stanley brought to this Fever team? Yeah, you know, getting to interview Coach Stanley on a number of occasions, she's definitely a, a no-nonsense type of coach. Yes. You know, she, she, seems, she seems excited to be coaching a young group with a lot of potential. I mean, obviously, she's been around for a long time, 
um, WNBA assistant for over 20 years and col in college since the 70s. But she definitely seems eager to, to grow with this group and, and lead them through what's a very unique situation this year. Yeah, and one of the things that I really, I think it was through your reporting found out was how much uh, veteran forward Candace Dupree is enjoying the system that Stanley has put in place. Uh, why, what have you seen from Dupree and why did she tell you that she's enjoying uh, Stanley's system this year? Yeah, I mean, look, nobody else on this roster has more than five years of experience. Candace Dupree is sitting there with 15. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, she's quietly averaged like at least 11 points every season that she's been in the WNBA. She's just a savvy leader that seems to guide the ship almost every night. And her game is so smooth and so quiet that, like you said, she's often underrated. But, you know, that mid-range jump shot is money. And she runs a ton of pick and rolls with the Fever's guards, Tiffany Mitchell, Kelsey Mitchell, and, and Julie Alamond. And, and, you know, she more often than not, if she gets a look from that mid-range, she's going to knock it down. And even from three-point range this year, Coach Stanley took a look at some of her earlier season in Chicago, and, and she had some success from behind the arc. So Stanley told her at the beginning of the season, look, I want you to shoot those looks off pick and pops from the three-point line. Um, but, you know, lately she's just been a little frustrated with the team's lack of consistency. So so that's been a negative point this year for her. But otherwise, she's been, like you said, that's that savvy veteran that's really been guiding this group of young players the whole year. Yeah, I absolutely loved that Stanley came in and said, Candace Dupree, you're you're adding the three to your game right now. <laughs> you're you know, 15 years yeah. in or whatever. Like, this is the time. And when I heard that, I thought, ah, Stanley's bringing some of that Tebow offense over here. Um, but yeah, you mentioned consistency, and that has certainly been a problem. Um, Kelsey yeah. Mitchell has had a few breakout games, um, including you wrote one that made it seem like she had turned the corner. And then, of course, the next game, she struggles a bit. Uh, the Fever are three and five this season, which which means they're still, you know, they're still kind of in the thick of the playoff uh, race for sure. Um, but tell me, tell me about Kelsey Mitchell and the work that she's been doing on herself. Yeah, this is her third season. You know, she's been outspoken about how disappointed she was with her first two seasons in the league. I mean, she was such a prolific scorer in college. I mean, I went to Michigan. She went to Ohio State. I got to see her a lot. Um, she's really taken it upon herself to lead this team this year. And and, you know, she said she had to take a look in the mirror and, and figure out what was wrong with, with her mental uh, approach to things. And, and she's definitely seemed to correct that this year. Yeah, she struggled a little bit last night. But, you know, she dipped from second to fourth in the league in scoring. So she's still right up there. You know, she's had to play two positions this year with, with Erica Wheeler being out, you know, point guard and, and the two guard. Um, and her efficiency is, is just way up this year, shooting almost 40% from three-point range. And, and Coach Stanley has just raved about coaching her, just saying she's a delight and she's a joy to coach. She's extremely coachable. So I think that relationship has, has really brought out the best in Kelsey this year. There's, other, there's you know, obviously we've also got Tiffany Mitchell, who it seems like it's, I mean, she's just lost her father, which is just tragic and is dealing with so much while she's in the wobble. Um, and defensively, I think has looked pretty good this season, but um, offensively kind of that same inconsistency that we're used to seeing from her. Um, of course, add anything about her that you want, but the guard I really want to talk about is who has stepped in in Erica Wheeler's place and honestly barely missed a beat. And that is Julie Almond from, uh, from Belgium, who is a Mystics uh, reporter. Uh, Emma Meesman told us to look out for her, and she was right. 
Yeah, no, Julie's just been such a pleasant surprise for this team. I mean, she's more of a pass-first point guard, but she's shooting almost 54% from three on the season, which is sixth in the league, but she actually has the most attempts out of the top six three-point shooters in the league. So, you know, Stanley's encouraged her to shoot more and thinks that sometimes she defers a little bit too much um, just because she's been so effective from behind the arc and and just so great at controlling the team, setting the pace, and, and being really solid presence for them. Um, in place of Wheeler and she's playing a ton of minutes and and you know Stanley's kind of emphasized how she wants to get Alamont a little less minutes going forward just to kind of relieve a little bit of the burden of her but you know she continues to post 35 plus every night so you know they miss Wheeler it's a week-by-week process Tiffany Mitchell like you said is doing all she can but but Julie Alamont is is really playing a prominent role in, in, in her first year in the league. Yeah, and I mean, she. we say she's a rookie, but she's had a lot of overseas experience. Yeah. Alamond has 5.8 assists per game, which is third in the WNBA. I mean, that's just remarkable. Um, I do want to ask about some players who are both in their second season, although for kind of different reasons. Right. Um, we've got Tara McCowan, uh, the center, who has had an interesting season, some really great games and some games where she did not see the floor as much as I think we were expecting. Right. And then, of course, her former Miss- Mississippi State teammate, Victoria Vivians, who is coming off of missing last year with uh, the, was an ACL injury, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with McCowan. Yeah, I mean, her season's kind of been pretty similar to last year. I mean, Stanley's actually kind of rotated her in and out of the starting lineup just due to some matchup issues this year. I think Lauren Cox started um, the other game against uh, Washington a few days ago. But, you know, she's just so big and dominant and such a force in the paint. She struggles to finish sometimes. I think that's still a part of her game that she's improving on. Sometimes when she's presented with some length uh, in the paint, that's that bothers her a little bit and gets her a little bit out of her comfort zone. And, and sometimes she blows a couple of those those shots close to the rim. But, you know, she's, she's working on it. She gets a lot of offensive boards and putbacks. Uh, that's a big part of her points. And her rebounding overall is a little bit slightly down this year, and that's on the defensive side. But, you know, Stanley has faith in her. Um, again, it's a matchup thing night by night. Some nights she'll, she'll have better success against the post she's going up against. So, you know, it's a learning process for Tierra. I think she's still adjusting a little bit. Um, playing a big role on this Fever team. And then and then Victoria Vivians, I mean, I, I just feel for her because she missed all of last year with the torn ACL. And the right knee is, is given her issues again this year and it's some soreness throughout the year. And she's missed a couple of games. But, and even last night, the trainer was, was seen on the ESPN broadcast working on her on the sideline for over a half hour. So, you know, she hasn't found her rhythm yet either. She shot 40% from three her rookie year a couple of years ago. And and she just hasn't been able to, to find that kind of efficiency or, or rhythm so far this year. So I, I feel for Tori, for sure. Coming back, especially under these circumstances, with basically no training camp for the entire Fever team, right? And then no practice time. It's just not ideal circumstances to be trying to learn to trust your own legs again. Uh, the final player I wanted to ask specifically about before letting you kind of finish off with any parting thoughts is Lauren Cox. Uh, we've only seen her in four games. Like I mentioned, she actually had COVID and was late getting to camp. Campus, the IMG campus, and I mean, just talk about tough stuff to deal with in your the rookie season. Um, and I think you know, with all the Sabrina talk, with uh, Kennedy Carter having such a great start uh, to her rookie campaign, it was the Tusabali being being in the rookie of the year conversation. I think people 
forgot a little bit about Lauren Cox and about what she's capable of. Um, how is she settling in and, and what does the team think about um, how she's doing so far? Yeah, I know something that Lauren has just been kind of saying over the course of the games that she's played so far is that conditioning is, is still something she's really working on, just getting up and down the floor and being able to adjust to the speed of the professional game. Yeah, she missed some time while dealing with COVID symptoms. She's still working on getting up to speed. But, you know, Stanley's working her in game by game, getting her some minutes. Um, like I said, she started to do that game against Washington the other night. I think Stanley's still trying to figure out how to use her in a rotation with uh, McCowan and now Achanwa, who just returned for the last game. So I think um, Stanley's still trying to figure out some optimal combinations in that respect. You know, last night was her fourth game, career high, <laughs> seven points. Uh, she looked confident. She shot a three from the top of the key, which she's very capable of. She had a couple drives against Asia Wilson. And, and you know, she's able to bother Wilson on the defensive end, who just went five for 17 from the floor last night. And, you know, I asked Cox about it and she said, you know, her length is often underestimated and her ability to alter shots is underestimated because she doesn't seem as lengthy as she really is. But she can really do some damage defensively and, and her versatility offensively is, a, is certainly a weapon. And something I loved was that Tierra compared the duo of her and Lauren to the duo of, of her, of Lauren and Kalani Brown when they were at Baylor. And, and that duo certainly has the potential to, to reflect the duo of, of the Baylor combo as well. So. And I've been thinking about that since the second she was drafted, you know, people wondering how these bigs work together and thinking, well, Lauren has so much experience with that because she played with a big, you know, for, you know, a lot of times these bigs come in, you know, uh, post players come in and they were the, they were the only center they played with in college, right? They were by far the biggest player on their team. And right. of course, Lauren Cox, they were the twin towers down there. And so I think that um, I'm super excited to see what this post rotation shakes out to be between um you know McCowan and Cox and uh, Dupree and Achanwa and I think that there's a lot of potential there and it, you know I think Stanley is going to have fun putting the pieces together overall there are a couple players we didn't mention um like you said we do have Achanwa who is working her way back from a hamstring in injury Kennedy Burke has had some good moments averaging 6.3 points per game um and shooting well fit 47.5 percent from the field um that's been kind of a surprise for me we haven't seen as much of the other rookie Kathleen Doyle um mm -hmm. it, that we you know but who knows when she might be getting her name called up up. And of course, Seth Mavunga, who is back, um, also haven't seen that much of her. Overall, if, if there's any of them, you, those players you'd like to touch on, but just to finish up, I'd like to ask just what is the overall vibe of this team right now? Yeah, something I've written about a lot with this team is just inconsistency. You know, I mean, they're winless after wins in games this year so far. They haven't been able to string together consecutive wins. But there's times when they when they look amazing. I mean, they posted 106 points against the Mercury. Um, although the Mystics were struggling so far, are struggling so far this year, um, they certainly have all the a bunch of pieces from their championship team last year. And, and the Fever outscored them 27 to 11 in the second quarter of, of the game the other day. And you know they've had they've had some great moments this year. And you know Candace Dupree just kind of let her frustration out last night after the game about the inconsistency, just saying like sometimes we self destruct, and she doesn't know whether that's fatigue or or a lack of adjustment to the defense that that's playing them, but they're still trying to figure things out. And, you know, I think the schedule is really getting to them because 
Julie Alamon talked about how having a day off in between practice and a game last week was, was the best thing for her. And she was jumping up and running through the hotel because she was just so excited about the time off. So, you know, I think, I think the struggle of, of cramming a 22 game schedule into seven weeks is, is getting to the players a little bit, but you know, everyone has to deal with it. It's something they have to kind of adjust to and, and hopefully they can build some consistency going forward because they certainly have the potential with all this young talent. And in addition to debris. Yeah, I can see them sneaking into one of those last playoff spots. And I, I'm hoping that they get there. And because uh, I, I think that that experience, even if it's just one game, will be something they can really build on. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people follow your work? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter, uh, Ben Rosoff NY. And you can find me on the next. I, I am writing about the fever all season long. So come see me there. But thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me. This was this was such an enjoyable experience. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, you can see both of these teams we talked about today um, on the court Thursday night. On Thursday, Erica Ayala will be back in action. I think she's going to be discussing some social justice initiatives throughout the league, updating you on what the individual teams are doing as well as I'm sure updating you on anything fun that happens on in Wednesday night's games. And then Howard Megdal will be there on Friday with a new interview. I, uh, I don't have it listed who his interview is going to be. So that means it's going to be a surprise. Um, and when Howard Megdal full of surprises, but you're going to want to listen to that. And then you'll have Gabe and Amy back on Monday to recap all of the weekend's action. Thanks so much for joining us here on Locked On Women's Basketball. Um, follow us on Twitter at Locked On WBB. And be sure to subscribe and rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. 